1: Hi, I'm Candace Hoffman, the field coordinator with North Carolina Lawyers Assistance Program. I'm excited to share my conversation with Bill, one of our awesome LAP volunteers. We are going to be talking about his article, Not a Happy Valentine's Day, which you should check out after the podcast. You can find the article in the show notes for today's episode. And now we'll jump right into the conversation. Bill, thanks so much for being here with me today.
0: Well, thank you for having me here today.
1: I really am excited for everybody to get to read this article. It really wakes you up. Can you tell us about being handcuffed on Valentine's Day?
0: Yeah, that's literal. I mean, I was handcuffed (laughs) behind my back and, and walked out of my house at 1038 in the morning. I remember that time because it just, it was very surreal. And I know I looked down at my watch just before I put my hands behind my back and that just stuck in my head. At 1038 in the morning, there were multiple sheriff's deputies, cars out front, and I was removed from my house, put in the back and driven off.
1: What led up to that?
0: Uh, And very different personal life than was my public life. A lot of strife in the marriage I was in, turmoil, depression on my side for probably years there's a lot of unhappiness culminated in that one moment.
1: And you say it was in in contrast to your professional life. How so? What did your professional life look like at that time?
0: My professional life at that time was 60 to 70 hour a week, thriving solo law practice. It just wouldn't stop growing at that point. Back then the doors were open and clients were Coming in, I'd have to make time on weekends to see clients sometimes because it was so busy during the week. And I completely focused on the firm and family life was secondary.
1: So what would happen after you're having a very successful day at work and you go home? How did you present differently at home?
0: It became that there was so much tug and pull at work. The the clients, other peers, it felt like a nonstop just drain of having to constantly put out little fires, constantly appease someone, constantly hold someone's hand, just a constant pressure of keeping everyone together, but myself, really, is what it came down to. And then at home, I wanted, I needed space. I needed private time. I needed please don't bother me. I'm going out on the porch. And when I'm done, I'll come back in the house. And when I'm done, got longer and longer and longer. I didn't want anything to do with much when I left work and got home. And that became a problem in and of itself.
1: How did that affect your personal relationships?
0: Well, the personal relationships would be confrontational. Everything was confrontational, confrontational with my wife, confrontational with my son, confrontational with the neighbors, About the only thing I wasn't real confrontational with was the dog, maybe because the dog didn't make a lot of demands on me. It just wanted to kind of sit there and smile and wag its tail, and I'm good with that. Everything but that dog, I was confrontational with. After years of that, it became normal because it wasn't normal. It it became how the whole marriage was, how the whole dynamic with the kids were. It was came to a head. On that day, that was enough. That, that morning, set it off. And there was no turning back.
1: You were handcuffed, taken to jail. What was going through your head?
0: What if my clients find out about this? What if I lose my business? What if I can't see my kids again? It was a what if of every negative I could possibly shove into my own head at the time.
1: In your article too, you referenced success in your professional life that we talked about earlier and that you had made it, but you put them both in quotation marks. Can you speak to why you use that grammatical decoration?
0: It it wasn't really successful. It was success as you see it on TV. It was success as it was marketed to you in commercials, but it wasn't really success. We had a house, we had cars, we had toys. We had everything that we were told and that everyone's told that they need to make it. But we didn't make anything. We made each other miserable is what we made. It was all paper. It was a facade.
1: Flashback to the jail and that sea of what ifs that you were living in. What happened after that?
0: Well, the jail was... An interesting experience that I had never been through before. I mean, I'd gone to jail to see a client. I was never the one being handcuffed to the table and asked to answer questions. That whole experience, I've got to say that it puts you in a totally different perspective. That was kind of like the sledgehammer to the back of the head wake-up call. This is now happening. This is real. There is no going back. You're going to go through this, whether you want to or not.
1: And what happened from there?
0: I didn't get the bond and get processed till much later in the day. And I was released. Basically, I I slept in my office that night. The next day I called LAP. I called Laura's Assistance Program the next morning and basically just spilled my guts. Accepted that this is all this stuff's going to come out and I'm just going to Take it on front-loaded.
1: What was the response you got when you called LAP?
0: LAP was very non-judgmental. LAP listened to me saying all this stuff that was coming out. There was no judgment call. There was no, oh, that's bad. It was all just kind of a very neutral, compassionate response that they understood it and would have resources to help me through it if I wanted them. Their response was exactly what I needed, worked with me, which was exactly what I needed. The bar, I invested in LAP voluntarily and on my own. It wasn't that the bar recommended me to do this or someone made a referral. Honestly, I didn't know who else to call. Hadn't had any experience with LAP before making that call, but I'm glad I did. And I The realization was that there's no way I'm going to do this on my own. I can't fix this on my own. This is now beyond my ability. I can't make this right by myself.
1: That's powerful when you surrender that I am not the end-all, be-all fixer of problems.
0: Well, especially for lawyers.
1: We're in the helping profession, and it's very humbling when we get to a point where we can't help ourselves how did it feel to get all of that out in the open? And was it the first time that you had admitted to all of these things?
0: It felt relieving. And as a block, yes. And it was to someone I basically never met before a stranger. They were very well qualified in doing what they were doing. Just listening to what I had to say and making some suggestions on the directions I should go, which all turned out to be the right way to go. I followed them. I didn't buck up against them. I didn't tell them, well, I'm not going to do that. I was at such a low point. I'll just do whatever, whatever you suggest, I'm going to do it.
1: You had that gift of desperation.
0: Yes, the gift. (laughs) That's an excellent term. It was a gift of desperation.
1: We love that term in the recovery world. You often see a lot of people that just can't get better until they get to whatever their bottom is, where they're willing to be honest and accept help. And what did accepting help look like to you? What were those recommendations?
0: Well, one recommendation was for a cognitive therapist. And they actually gave me a name, a phone number, just set it all out that, LAP made it easy to follow it. I didn't really have to go and do an online search to find somebody or I didn't know what I was doing. Here's steps you can take. And it wasn't you will take or you should take or you better take. It was you might want to try this. This might help you. I met with that cognitive therapist. I developed a contract with LAP that we'd move forward with. And that all took the next year and a half of just working. And in that time, the firm basically imploded and closed because uh, clients weren't going to come to me after seeing me on the news in Orange. Because back then, Orange was not the new Black. Orange was Orange. (laughs) It was not a good, happy place.
1: What did your practice look like After everything imploded.
0: There was no practice. It was a lot of very introspective, simply closing files down, just logistical shutting down the practice. And even in that, there's a stark realization that, that it's over.
1: I'm sure that maybe had been a big fear of yours. You know, what if the practice of law, what if I wasn't able to do this? For a time period after your law practice closed, so you painted buildings and mowed grass. That coupled with the recommendations that you took from LAP, what did that do for you? How did that change your perspective on the practice of law?
0: Well, I think that is for an attorney to be suspended and not disbarred, I think is probably going to be the most humbling pull you So back down to earth experience, you're ever going to get a suspension, which is what I got, had a whole bunch of hoops to jump through and a whole bunch of things I had to do to even be able to apply to be reinstated. And a lot of it was right out of the lap contract. I think the bar took that as a positive step. I did what you learn is there's more than one success.
1: A lot of lawyers really identify with the job that becomes a part of how they see themselves. When you were not practicing law for those couple years, how did that affect the way you looked at your identity?
0: I've come to, to really hold on to that my career is not who I am. How I am and how I am towards other people is who I am not what I do. It was amazing and eye-opening to just have to go through that, to be one of the, be in one of those careers where society thinks this is great, doctor, lawyer, candlestick maker, but really it's who you are to yourself and to others. I think that defines success anymore. For those almost two years, I'd be mowing lawns and I'd look for odd jobs and It was very hard just to function and survive. And you get a taste and learn what it's like to be financially struggling. That was real for me to be a lot more humble. It makes you a different person. I think it's a better person.
1: And when you transitioned into your next season and started practicing law again, how did your practice look different this time?
0: no working three out of four weekends. There were certain baselines that I put on myself to not go back down that rabbit hole again. I think you have to do that. I will take a vacation every year. I will go and spend weekends doing stuff with the family or just spending it hiking. I will not live at work. When I restarted the practice, practice was different in that I was limiting the practice so it wouldn't consume me.
1: Did you enjoy the actual practice of law more? Did you find like you got more fulfillment after you created those boundaries?
0: I think it was a lot less stressful. I really liked practicing law before, it consumed me. And what the parts that consumed me were the striving for the never ending pinnacle of success. You're never going to get there because it doesn't exist. You make this much money, well, next year you better make more. Or you've got this many clients, well, you could double it in year. It never ends. It just becomes this thing all on its own. I enjoy practicing more now because I don't meet clients on Saturday evenings at 7 o'clock anymore. That-
1: I like the way you've redefined success and I'd be interested to hear, how did it change those personal relationships?
0: Things are a lot different now. I don't allow the job to interfere with home life. I mean, of course, yes, there are times when my spouse tells me to stop lawyering her or (laughs) cross-examination, I don't know that I can ever get rid of that. So that's just the way it is. You got to take time to take those hikes and go away for weekends. And if you have some small little problem at home, you just deal with it instead of ignoring it or pushing it aside or saying I'm too busy or going back to work. Work is no longer this place where I can go and hide because I don't like what's happening at home.
1: Sounds like you're much more present.
0: I really believe to have balance and success, you have to. Wake up in the morning and you decide what you're going to do that day, but you can't over worry and what if what's happening a month from now. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. You might be in handcuffs a month from now. Who knows? (laughs) Can't worry about that.
1: I love hearing about your transformation. What kind of work are you continuing to do for your mental health? And how are you able to recognize triggers now?
0: That's a great question. Triggers. Some of them are cyclical, like the anniversary of something, not Valentine's Day so much. You just learn that this is a trigger. ABC is coming up next week, and we're not going to let ABC into my head. I've read a couple books, and this is a quote uh, from Max Lucado. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically, all the thoughts in your mind are like, Airplanes at an airport, and you are the air traffic controller, and you can choose which ones take off and never come back, and you can choose which ones are allowed to land. That's how you have to do things. I send those triggers off to wherever they're flying to, and they're not coming back to land. You learn how to just keep things a lot simpler.
1: If you could offer any words to lawyers out there who might be suffering with depression, what would you tell them?
0: Start trying all the homeopathic over the counter stuff, and you're still doing the research of why you're feeling the way you do. It's time to get help. You need to get assistance because you can't do it on your own.
1: Thank you for all the good work you've done with LAP and for sharing your story with everybody.
0: Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us at the Sidebar. If this is your first time, we encourage you to listen to another episode or two, subscribe to our newsletter, and peruse the resources at www.nclap.org. And if you know a lawyer who could use a hand, please share this episode with them today. Remember, at Sidebar, you are not alone. In fact, you are in quite good company.